0: Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Okay, good. Alright. Morning everybody. Can I just say I put one of these on as well, because we had lots left and I know uh, quite a lot of you aren't men. We have our... Rough Diamonds Men's Day a week on Saturday. I'd love it if lots of guys from the Messenger here, as myself and Carl and Anthony and Paul Young, share. I think some really important stuff about doing battle for the Lord, about making a mark in our generation. We need men who rise up. So you may not be a man, but you'll know men who should be there. And uh, so please plan to be here for the whole day. It'll be a great day. And. Um, Take some of these leaflets. Danielle's got more. If fifteen quid is an issue at all, just pay what you can, um, and uh, come for free if you you know it's near payday and you're really skinned. We definitely don't want money to be an issue. So please plan to be there for the whole day. It's going to be a great day, week on Saturday here, and uh, spread the word in your church. Make sure your fellas are here, girls. It's going to be important that we gather and uh, get fired up together. Okay. Isaiah 64. If you've got a Bible, have a look at that. We'll read it in a moment. Um, there are some uh, great and passionate prayers in the Bible, you know that. I mean, I think we tend to like the ones that are um, focused on us being blessed. We love the prayer of Jabez, don't we? Bless me, enlarge my territory, keep me from harm, and that whole thing. We, we love that idea of God blessing us, and he wants to do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's in the Word. Um, the kind of prayers I really love, though, are the ones that perhaps aren't, aren't so focused on bless me as bless them. Don't you love the crazy prayer of Abraham in Genesis 18, where Abraham is negotiating with God? saying, please spare this city if there's just a few righteous people in the city. And don't you love the prayer of Moses pleading with God not to bring disaster on the people of Israel even though they totally deserve it because they've been such clowns with the golden calf in Exodus 32. You've got to love the powerful prayers of Daniel and Ezra in Daniel 9 and Ezra 10. And of course, the best of the lot, Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17. And this prayer in Isaiah 64 is right up there. It is amazing as Isaiah intercedes for the people, but for generations to come. Let's, let, let's read it. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, and the mountains would tremble before you as fire Sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your ma- name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against you, you are angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you've hidden your face from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. O look upon us as we pray, for we are all your people. Your sacred cities have become a desert. Even Zion is a desert. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire. And all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, O Lord, will you hold yourself back? Will you... Keep silent and punish us beyond measure. Can you hear the passion? Can you hear the cry of to God from Isaiah? In some ways, I'm sad that a couple of our key intercessors are away in LA right now. They'd love this. Um, what an incentive to intercede! This chapter is. As you know, James and and uh, Matt Wilson are away here, aren't they? Uh, this great gathering in Colorful. We've got a picture. Great gathering in California um, and uh, 100,000 people gathering in a stadium to celebrate 110 years since the Susan Street Revival. And I love this next picture. Did anyone see this on Facebook? What's our little James doing <laughs> with Bill Johnson and Lou Engels and Lauren Cunningham? I mean, these are the great world prayer leaders. And yet James has been positioned there. I find that quite exciting, don't you? God's seen this guy's faithful heart and he's raising him up, giving him a massive platform and a profile to be, you know, a serious prayer leader, not just for us, but for the world. Can you believe that? Little James, amazing. So uh, so, I was so excited. I love that as well, um, that God's just orchestrating this stuff for James. Um, 100,000 others with James have been praying for another a Sousa Street revival today, whatever that looks like, because it won't look like a Sousa 1906, it'll be something new. But almost certainly, if we do see what we're longing for and what we believe God's promised us, if we do see the rivers in the desert and the wild animals honoring Jesus in great numbers, if we do see a land inherited for Jesus, it will almost certainly, in fact, I can guarantee you, have the three different things that were the hallmarks of the Susa Street Revival. The first thing, there'll be manifestations. There's this ordinary black man, William Seymour, who was the, slave, the son of two slaves under the anointing of God and ably supported by his key intercessor, a white man called Frank Bartleman. And I don't say that... Oh, he was a black man, he was a white man. For any other reason, that was so unusual in 1906. There was this terrible segregation in the American church, but all colours came together, which was a sign that God was on the move. And this fella, Frank Bartleman, was the key intercessor. It was said of Frank Bartleman that he, he knew how to pray, he knew how to fast. He hardly ever slept. In fact, some of his friends apparently said he fasted so much and missed so much sleep, that his friends literally feared for his life. You know what Bartleman's reply was? I would rather die than not see revival. I mean, that's a bit extreme, isn't it, Frank? (laughs) You know, come on. That's ridiculous. That's over the top. But we do need some people who are a bit crazy for revival, don't we? I wish my job was to say, will you just calm down? Will you just, rather than say, come on, let's go for this great prize. Just calm down. Would you eat some food? Would you have some sleep? And I'd love some people to say, I'd rather die than not see this revival. And on the back of that kind of unbelievable, incredible, passionate prayer, there were amazing manifestations. Several times the fire brigade had to be called because as far as the people around could see, the buildings were on fire. And it was the fire of the Holy Ghost. There were amazing miracles. There was this outpouring of the supernatural speaking in tongues and people being filled with the Spirit everywhere. Even the religious, as they came to the meetings to condemn the meetings, were being slain in the Spirit. The newspapers spoke of a a forest of fallen trees under the power of God around Azusa Street. As people made their way to these meetings, an extraordinary manifestation true revival always seems to bring but if it just stops with manifestation for sure it's not real revival. Manifestation always leads to missionaries. Sure sign that this is a real move of God, a real revival and that's what was so exciting actually about Azusa Street that it, it was a remarkable thing. It was a move of God. The remarkable passion that came through these gatherings, as the Holy Spirit was poured out. Not just. Oh, I can't believe it! I've left me my sheets of paper behind. Anyway, uh, just hey, Daniel, go, go and get that that thing the, the, um, on my desk. The notes about the Susa Street revival because I want to read you some of this in a moment. But the, the, the missionaries, the full ones, went out all over the world. It's what always. Happens and there was an amazing measure of the power of God in these meetings, so much so that missionaries, rather than go to language school, went to the Azusa Street Revival. Did you know that? God was pouring out new languages and sending people all over the world. And missionaries have come from different parts of the globe and say, Yes, that's my language. Off you go to Africa. That's my language, off you go to China. This is the move of God that was happening in, in 1906 in a scruffy little building in, in the back of, backwaters of California. It's what always happens because our God isn't a God who just wants to pour out the supernatural on his people. He wants to pour them out so they're filled so they can go. But there's a third thing that is the true and genuine sign of revival. Not just manifestations, not just missionaries, but multiplication. 110 years after, there was this outpouring of the Holy Spirit as God's people gathered longing for him and prayed and fasted and sought him. The revival has actually died down in California, but Pentecostalism, which was birthed, this new Pentecost in California has spread all over the world. And there are now 500 million Pentecostal and charismatic Christians on the earth. I'm telling you what it is, honestly, it's an end time outpouring. It's a sign of the end times. What happened in this incredible outpouring where Pentecost was revisited and the Pentecostal church was birthed and spread all over the world. And you want to know where all the growth is? Look at all the church statistics. Where's all the growth happening? It's amongst the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. That's where the explosive growth. The largest churches in the world are Pentecostal churches. The churches that are growing exponentially are Pentecostal churches. God, give us a new Pentecost. Not with a badge of Pentecostal church, but with the badge of the Holy Ghost, whatever that looks like. Don't you want that? A multiplication of the work of God. And you can just see it happening if you've just got eyes to see that this is what's promised in the Scriptures in the end days. God will visit his people again in power and pour out his spirit on all flesh. And much of it started in a scruffy little building in a place called Azusa Street under the ministry, of this humble man called William Seymour. Okay, back to the passage. I love that as Isaiah prays for revival, he doesn't just pray for himself. He doesn't even just pray for the nation. I think so many of my prayers are wrapped up in my own little world. of time I spend praying for my family and my... My friends and the issues around me. And if they're not, if they're not, if I'm not praying for me and my family, I'm praying for this ministry and this nation. And so many of my prayers stop there. But Isaiah's prayers, the men of God, prays not just for, for him and for his nation, but for generations to come. Just got back from Spring Harvest on Sunday, and um, Abby Guinness is one of the leaders the, of Spring Harvest, cracking young woman communicator, her great-grandmother was a lady who was utterly broken and depressed because her, f- her grandfather was the last man to die in a legal duel in Ireland. Can you believe that was only like, only like a few decades ago, people were allowed to go out with guns. I challenge you to a duel, sir. I accept Oh no, I wish I'd not said that now. And they you know people died in the open fields, turned around, bosh. You, can you imagine that was going on? It's amazing, isn't it? Terrible thing, really, of course. And so she lost her husband in a duel, Abby Guinness's great grandmother. And this woman, in her brokenness, met this farmer boy, the whistling farmer boy of Eckerfelon. And he whistled his hymns as he plowed the fields, and she led him to Jesus. And then she became this amazing intercessor and woman of God. But her big prayer, don't know why 12 generations, but she would always say, I'm praying for 12 generations of blessing on this family. I refuse to let it stop with me or my children or my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren. I'm praying for 12 generations. Anyway, her son was this amazing revivalist, evangelist, missionary who went all over the globe preaching the gospel. Her grandsons were Os Guinness. You've heard of him, haven't you? Amazing author, theologian who's blessed the world with his writing. And Peter Guinness, another leading light in the church minister. And her great-grandson, great-granddaughter is Abby Guinness. And much of the rest of the family are saved and doing great things for God. What an amazing thing when one person gets saved with a vision for impact beyond themselves, don't you think? I sometimes think about my great-grandfather. You've heard me go on about Robert Hawthorne and my my great-grandfather and great-grandmother in India there, serving God amongst the poor, the first Salvation Army missionaries out to India. I'm sure their prayers were for beyond, Oh, please, God, bless our ministry amongst the poor and the lost. It was bless our family. And it's only actually, it's been really interesting for me as we've, you know, we just tried to hold on to the Lord's coat's tails and build this ministry under kingdom values. And we've gone for being creative and gone for the poor and the lost and the broken and tried to fuel it through prayers. Is basically all it is, is what Robert Hawthorne was doing at a far greater measure, 120 years ago. with a modern day Salvation Army, the message. And, I, and as I read the books, the history books, more and more, I see what we're doing is lining up with exactly what they were doing. It's just they saw the full measure of the revival. Don't you want that? I can imagine that and that man and woman praying for the generations and just look down our history of, of, of the family and... I'm not saying we're we're great men and women of God, but there's Christians everywhere in the Hawthorne family. There's missionaries everywhere. It's just amazing what can happen when one person gets saved. One of the best times I had at Spring Harvest was going in with um, Danielle and Rebecca. We went into this youth meeting. And um, the first person I met on Friday night going into the youth meeting at Spring Harvest was a girl called Erin. And she said, the words that bring the greatest joy to my heart. She said, I became a Christian when you came to Spring Harvest over 20 years ago. And the worldwide message I played, and I gave my life to Christ. She's now leading the youth work at Spring Harvest. I'm like, that is so beautiful, isn't it? And what I loved about Erin, she was pregnant. She's, she's about to have a baby, you know, she was well. No, but I love that because this girl is now going to, you know, was a little teenager in whatever it was, 1993. She's now bringing this child up in the Lord, the next generation. She's not just investing in those hundreds of kids in the room. And that night we saw 69 kids come forward, first-time commitments in that venue. Imagine what that was like for me. I've just spoken to Erin, and I'm so fired up, fruit that lasts, fell on good soil And she's multiplying it. But I'm thinking, all these dozens of kids coming forward in that venue. And then the following morning, two more girls came up and said, oh, I really wish I'd gone forward last night. Because it's not about going forward. Come forward to Jesus, and you can give your life to Christ. What an exciting thing that is. So what a cry for more of that. Verse 1 is, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, Lord. I've got this sense that the Lord is ready to do that. And I think we kind of might expect it to be boom, you know, suddenly, suddenly. And and, and God can do that. But even the Azusa Street revival was a building, building, building of momentum. You know, they started with, with... William and and Frank and his mates gathering to pray and then there was a building momentum. For a long time, they were stuck at about 150 seeing this Pentecostal outpouring. Then suddenly the news spread and suddenly things started to happen. Suddenly the snowball had gathered enough that they, they were well and truly off, if you like. And that was the word over higher. The snowball's rolling. And I believe it. Do you? Listen to verse two. When the fire sets twigs ablaze, And cause, as when fire sets twigs ablaze and causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. You know, there's something about a little twig's you know, little twigs anybody watching that island programme? I love that programme, that's great, isn't it? I mean it's getting a bit ridiculous now. People are gonna die, aren't they? If any, anybody watching that program with bear grills, it's it's like the TV's reality TV's is getting more and more extreme. You know, so and so they are basically starving them to death on this island, and it's great entertainment. <laughs> but but uh, but they have to get the twigs. To make the fire at the start of the, you know, because the fire is so important. And it takes ages and then there's a little spark and suddenly the twigs are ablaze. But that is enough to set the whole island on fire, isn't it? it? Takes a while to get going. Even the picture of boiling water. You know, the water gets hotter and hotter and hotter. It's not like whoosh, straight boiling, is it? It's a building, building, building momentum, isn't it? That's the way God tends to do it, you know. And people are like sneering and saying, oh, not much going on there in the U.K., but the twigs are ablaze. The, the water's starting to boil, isn't it? I can feel it in my spirit and not just in my spirit. I can see what's happening as I travel around this nation that God hasn't finished with us yet. So get ready. Get ready as the, the fire starts to spread and the, the water, the spirit, the heat rises day by day. Get ready for Three things according to Isaiah 64. First, the yes, get ready for unusual phenomena. I don't want a reworking of the Azusa Street Revival. I don't want a reworking of the Hebridean Revival or the Welsh Revival or Wesley's Revival or Boo's Revival. I want Manchester Revival. Because look what the Lord says when you did awesome things that we did not expect. They didn't expect tongues to be such a key feature especially tongues where where God's people giving all these other languages for missionary endeavor they weren't expecting that they didn't expect slain in the spirit to be such a key thing they were just open to the Holy Spirit we must not try and reenact what God did in the past you see our touchstone scripture is see I'm doing a new thing it's actually not see I'm doing a new thing it's see I'm doing a new thing do you not perceive it And the key thing is the prayers, the intercessors, the people who cry out to God and say, rend the heavens and come down, sense the times and sense the spirit. And yes, there will be unusual phenomena that will freak some people out. But it probably won't be the same phenomena we've had in the past. There'll be a new thing God wants to do. And we just need to be on tiptoes of expectation, but also holding on to the word and Pressing forward with whatever God wants to do. And I don't care what God wants to do as long as it's God and not men who whip it up. So unusual phenomena and also unusual conviction of sin. What about this? You came to the help of those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continue to sin against them, you were angry How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one who's unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. I'm telling you, that is true repentance language. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. I can't even do good without it being a bit weird and chipped up and and focused on me and seeking my own glory and praise. I can't even build a ministry for Jesus on my own right. Trying to do it with the right vision and values. But there's always this mess of me that gets in the way. And I want to repent of that. I want to be walking in holiness. I want some conviction to come down. I long for true conviction to come in everything we do. I love this that Danielle's finally found me. The, there was this um, the key magazine of the day was the it's called apostolic faith and um this is what it said about the um the religious who came to visit the meetings in a short time god began to manifest his power and soon the building could not contain the people proud well dressed people who and preachers who came to investigate soon had their high looks replaced with wonder when conviction came, and very often you would find them in a short time wallowing on the dirty floor, asking God to forgive them and make them as little children. Oh, do it again, Lord. Do it again, and I've, you know, in some ways the repentance and conviction isn't fun, but it's so needed, because it's a holy people who hate any trace of sin, who are going to see this next Pentecost, whatever that likes, as we play our part in whatever that looks like, as we play our part in seeing this thing spread. And the final thing, I think there'll be unusual phenomena, unusual conviction. And I wish, uh, if only I was a decent preacher, it'd be unusual something else, but it's not. (laughs) It's a fresh revelation of the the fatherhood of God. This is verse 8. Yet you, O Lord, you are our father. We're the clay. You're the potter. We are all the work of your hands. We have a fatherless generation, don't we? I saw an email that just broke my heart over the weekend. Some Sky News research. Almost half of all school teachers believe that pupils under their tutelage are self-harming. Due to stress, due to peer pressure, due to lack of popularity on social networks. 20% of these teachers said they knew pupils have attempted suicide because of the pressure that they're living under. And uh, we should be the happiest generation in history because we've got more food, more entertainment, better clothes. You know, we're living in a, a safer society in so many ways than just about any of all history, and yet we're the most stressed. Our young people are growing up as a fatherless generation. Yes, of course, marriage breakdowns is a terrible thing and that more than half our kids aren't living with their biological parents. That should break our hearts, shouldn't it? But there's this fatherless generation who, yes, may have biological fathers, but need to know the love of the father, don't they? That brings security and safety and, and gets them home and, and just a sense of we're not like that. We're, we're for Jesus. Oh, Lord, rend the heavens and come down, I say. Oh, Lord, let this place shake with your kind of revival. And if we're right, Snowball's rolling. The twigs are ablaze. The water's boiling. Well, turn up the heat, God. Accelerate. It shows what kind of lives, what kind of prayers we need to pray, what kind of sin we need to fight, what kind of mission we need to engage in to see a mighty move of God in my generation. You see, I am not anymore. I'm not going to allow the naysayers, the neggies, the people who write the books about the decline of the church. I'm not going to allow them to define me. I'm going to allow this book to define me and the promises of God. How about it? How about if we could be those kind of people? So let's stand together. I want us to stand and I want us to pray. And I want us to pray some just revival prayers. Lord, rend the heavens and come down lord let the snowball roll as we as we say what's next for hire what's next for for eden what's next for creative ministry and what's next for enterprise as we look to these cities birmingham and glasgow and london especially as we look to the nations are we going to canada lord are we going to kenya what's going on lord we don't want to move one millimeter away from the center of your will but lord pour down your spirit in an unusual way let us be men and women who are open to what your doing at this time. Can we do that? Yes, Lord. Stir us up afresh this morning, Lord. If we've uh, we got tired or we've taken a foot off the gas, we, we choose to be filled afresh with you. Come Holy Spirit and fill us. We need you, Lord. We've only got one life and we want to go for it. We want to make it count. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams.